Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. And it was a little bit of a stress fest early at the 151st Open Championship. But Brian Harmon has maintained his five-shot lead at Royal Liverpool. And if you're wondering or thinking, is this thing actually over? Well, you're probably right. It's the 12th time in history, or at least in the past 40 years, that a player has held a 54-hole lead of at least five shots. All but twice, that player has uh, ended up converting that into victory. The two that didn't, Rex, you could probably think of them, Greg Norman, 96 Masters, Sean Vandeveld, 99 Open. Do you think we're going to see a coronation or a collapse on Sunday at the Open? I don't think we're going to see a collapse. I, I don't. I mean, I think if we were going to see that, we probably would have seen it today from Brian Harmon because that wasn't a great start. I mean, it was pretty shaky. He was missing greens. He made a bogey early. He, he uh, really let everyone back into it. I think the lead was down to two or three at one point early on two, that yep. front nine. Yeah. And I think he, he found a way to turn it around. I mean, I think you have to give all the credit. There is the bulldog to use the cliche that I'm sure you're just going to use is going to be the lead of your story tomorrow night because I, I really think today would have been the day that he would have found a way not to get it done and he didn't sort of he talked about it in this press conference afterward. He didn't let sort of everything spiral out of control and that was huge for him. I think that's one thing he'll go to and the other thing, I don't think you can dismiss the fact that Cam Young did what he did on the 18th hole because I think it would have been an entirely different scenario had Brian Harmon teed off tomorrow afternoon next to John Rahm versus Cam Young. And this is no knock against Cam Young, but John Rahm is a large man, an opposing figure. He's a big bear of a person. And I just think the idea of going toe-to-toe with him, mm, it's probably better off he's in the group with Cam Young. So I don't think we'll see a collapse. I think what we might end up seeing is another 63, either from John Rahm or someone else. Yeah, It is raining right now. Uh, you can probably see by my hair. Uh, and your little mm. slick shirt. Uh, it is raining right now in Hoylake. It was already a soft golf course. Uh, the winds on Sunday for the final round are expected to be stronger than they were today, uh, which isn't saying much because they were basically non-existent uh, during the third round. I, I think that helps, though, Rex, to know that Brian Harmon, if, if you're in his shoes tonight, he knows that he has to go out and get it. He knows that he has to be, I would say, cautiously aggressive, you know, if this was a U.S. Open setup, you're really protecting against par. You're being conservative. You're trying to, to minimize your mistakes. And he's certainly going to be doing that with a five-shot cushion. But I think it can be a little bit more freeing to know that, hey, a, a, an even par round of 71 on Sunday at the Open might not be good enough. You got to take care of the par fives. Uh, you really have to, uh, you, you know, make sure you don't have any double bogeys. Try to keep it out of... Uh, the pop bunkers at all costs. Obviously, play away from the OB stakes on on three and eighteen, and avoid calamity on seventeen as well. And so, I think I think the forecast is conducive. And you mentioned the people behind him, Cam Young. Even though he hasn't won on the PGA Tour, has a ton of firepower. Has been sniffing around the lead. He shot sixty five last year at the Open, uh, and, and gave uh, Cam Smith fits all the way to the end, the eighteenth at the Old Course. John Rahm uh, shot the record at a Hoy Lake Open by two shots today, the low score of the day by two shots. And so uh, he knows he's going to have to go get it. And I think that's a, kind of an important characteristic for Sunday. The open record at Hoy Lake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian, uh, this I, was I, the, and look, and this was, uh, we, we talked about it. this was, this was Brian Harmon's worst round of the week. Like he, he made only 64 
feet worth of putts. He was 250 plus over the first two rounds. He missed some fairways. He did have a, a couple of, of early bogeys. I was really impressed, Rex. I, I don't know about you, but the three wood shot and the five to set the two yeah. putt birdie and then the par save on seven settled him in and he played almost flawlessly to the clubhouse to kind of restore that advantage. Well, and I'll go back to 18. I mean, that was not flawless. He pulled his drive left, and he got a really bad lie. I mean, it was a bad shot. And he had to struggle to make a par. And you, what's the difference between a four-stroke lead and a five-stroke lead? Well, one stroke. But I think mentally, if he would have bogeyed that hole and, and gone into Sunday on a negative note, that could have impacted him. So I think that was absolutely huge. I, I will go to the idea, and I, I talked to Harris English tonight, who's – who's been Harmon's friend forever. They were roommates this week. They played a practice round together. And I asked him specifically, what will you look for early Sunday? Like, what will be the keys? What will be the tells that you'll see? And he immediately went to the idea of his body language. He goes, look, when he gets nervous, he twitches over the ball even more than what we've seen over the last couple of days. And you're going to get an idea really, really early how comfortable he is in that situation. And he really hasn't been there. So it will be a good tell to see exactly what his body language is like when he shows up. That's, that's interesting that he made that observation uh, because he kind of possesses that, that down-home southern chill. You, you know, he's, a, he's an avid hunter uh, who has a steady trigger finger, but you get him on the golf course and particularly in contention. Like I counted 11 waggles on the 18th mm. tee on Saturday. He's, he's regripping countlessly. He's doing, I call it the foot joy shuffle in my story tonight on golftail.com. Like he's, there's... There's so many moving parts, and there's a lot of nervous energy. Uh, I'm actually a little bit surprised that he wasn't chirped at by the very pro Fleetwood crowd uh, for for how long he was taking over the golf ball. I I do think Saturday's third round will be more important for Brian Harmon than what the final round will bring. I think this was the ultimate test for him. It wasn't just the fact mm-hmm. that he was playing in a, in a hostile environment. This was, this was essentially the Georgia Bulldogs going into, into Alabama stadium. Like this was no, absolutely no one wanted to see Brian Harmon succeed today. And yet he nipped Tommy Fleetwood by a couple of shots, but he hadn't really been in this position in the lead in a long time. This is now his first 54 hole lead in a major since 2017. Um, so he, he has been battle-tested throughout his career, but it has been a minute. He's 36 years old now. And so I thought today getting that out of the way uh, should make tomorrow e- even easier for him. And it was telling. He went to the range after he got done with a lot of media. I mean, there was a ton of media, and he was the last guy on the range, last guy to leave the golf course. And we were kind of talking about it on live from. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I actually think it was just nervous energy. He doesn't have to wake up tomorrow anytime soon. There's no reason not to go to the range and maybe just blow off some steam and get tired. And that way you can go back and go to sleep. I don't think he was searching for anything. I think at this point in, in the game, he's confident with what he has. Again, talking with Harris English, they played a practice round on Tuesday. He said, harm was doing everything harm does well. He was driving the ball well. He was putting it well. And that's what we've seen. So I don't think there's any amount of panic there. There will be some there will be somebody early who starts out like John Rom did today, whether that's John Rom or somebody else. And, and it'll be fascinating to see because he's never really harms, never really been in this position before how he handles it. Can we stop with these freakouts when a player goes to range after his third round, when he's in the lead, like there's, there's an automatic rush on social media on TV. Who are you asking? Who are you asking? 
I, I'm just saying in, in general, you, you mentioned that there was a lot of dialogue about it. Like there shouldn't be, he's, he's either blowing off steam. He's, he's winding down. That was always Scotty Scheffler's rationale. Like some people go in the sauna, some people go lift weights. I like to go to the range and just unwind and just get some, some feels for the next day. I, I don't think he's searching at all. He shot 69 uh, on a golf course that wasn't yielding all that many scores, uh, low scores late, uh, particularly among those last couple of groups. I don't think that's a big deal at all. I'm not sure what the conversation you're referring to uh, was, was speculating, but the fact of the matter is he didn't hit uh, all that many fairways. Uh, he was a little bit sloppier with his iron play. Um, but on the back nine, hit a bunch of good shots. If he just hits 20 balls and heads into Saturday night feeling better about his game, uh, I think that's exactly what he needed to do. It was more than 20, but I think the idea, the conversation was generally, is he searching for something? And, and you're right. This is Scotty Scheffler at the Masters last year and Randy Smith. Bryson I mean, DeChambeau. Yeah, like he would hysterically say- told everyone, we do this after every round. Like if you were paying attention, not just after the third round of the Masters, we do this after every round. It's how it's sort of our post-game show is how they ha- kind of handle it. Uh, I will say this, and, and I would be curious to he- hear your answer. And we did kind of debate this on Live From tonight. If not Brian Harmon, then who? Because there's a very finite list of people who at this stage in the game with that lead that Brian Harmon has that I think have, have a legitimate chance. Uh, I, I think there's there's maybe three, most likely two. You can probably throw Victor Hovland in there. He shot 66. You look at his major record this year. Boy, what a, what a vast improvement over 2022. Joe Mayo has got his short game in such a better position. He has that go-to shot uh, throughout the bag. Um, Victor Hovland, if he does not pull off the miraculous comeback on Sunday, makes up that seven-shot deficit. I could see him kind of toward, toward the top of the list of players who could make the leap in 2024. As for the two who uh, I actually expect to contend, Cameron Young. He's in the final group. He's leading the field in iron play. He just has to make more putts. He's losing strokes to the field on the greens, just as he has all year long. If he has a hot day with the putter, uh, obviously we know the sub- fire, firepower that he possesses. And John Romrex, John Rom would scare the hell out of me. He was seven mm. shots back at Kapalua this year, and he overtook Kyle Morikawa. He just shot his fourth round of 63 or better. He's not a guy who's going to be playing for position or points or money. At this point in his life, at this point in his career, he only cares about W's. And if you're Brian Harmon, that should be really, really scary. Uh, I would say that John Rom scares me, and I don't have to play him in golf. So I, I, I think your point is well taken. That's why I went to the idea that Cam Smith birdie in the last hole was huge. Because that kind of – I'm not going to say it lets Brian Harmon off the hook, but it certainly helps him from having to different endure animal. that. Different yeah, animal. For 18 holes. And look, and that big monster. Yeah, and I – and I think Cam Young's quiet. He's young. He'll probably just kind of be quiet and go about his business. There won't be a whole lot of small talk between those two. I, I, I think you're right. I, I would actually throw Jason Day in there because I think maybe depending on how the day plays out, I could see him doing what John Rom did today. He could he could shoot a 63. He has not, so you're right. You kind of He kind of has to prove it. But as far as guys who have an opportunity, I think you're right. It's just the two. It's Cam Young. And it's going to be John Rom. The fascinating thing about Cam Young is, and I talked to his caddy, Paul Tesori, tonight after this, if you look at what he has done really since the Masters, 
there, there aren't any good finishes. I mean, he has struggled the to be the player. That, uh, well, the, John Deere was the first one where everything sort of rebounded. And Paul told me that has a lot to do with just attitude. It has everything to do with he got himself in a bad position at John Deere, and he was able to convince himself to not be in a bad position. The way Paul explained it is, look, I can tell him that you're in a bad spot. You need to have a better attitude. That's not going to work. He needs to figure it out on his own. And he did that at the John Deere, and he actually went back to yesterday's round, Friday, where Cam Young bogeyed 14 and 15, and it looked like things were unraveling, and he ended up making uh, some solid pars coming in and then birding the last hole to put himself in a position where he could do what he did on Saturday. He's the one I'm actually more fascinated with because you're right. John Rahm is either – it's going to be – all or nothing. It's going to be 73 or 63 in my mind when it comes to John Rahm. Cam Young is the kind of the wild card in this. Yeah, I think John Rahm is probably veering closer to 63 than 73. He's just – he is the most feared chaser in the game. Xander Shoffley for a time I think kind of held that title, and John Rahm has overtaken him. Uh, he can just go on birdie barrages and leave even the best fields of the year in the dust. Cameron Young, I mean, it all comes down to the putter. We know about his ball striking ability. We know uh, how much longer he's going to be than Brian Harmon in that final round. Not that that's going to face Brian Harmon. He's, he's shorter than uh, almost every big name player in the world, but he'll be 50, 60 yards. If Cameron Young can continue putting pressure on him with iron play and actually rolling putts, uh, which he did at times on Saturday. And also there's a couple of putts inside 10 feet that I'm sure he wanted to have back overall. He's 175th on the PJ tour in putting this year. It's going to it's going to require one of the best rounds of his life. What else stood out to you on Saturday, Rex? Roy McIlroy did not speak to the media. Here's a stat for you: his last two weekend rounds at the Open Championship, he's missed just three greens and made five birdies. That ain't gonna get him. Had- That's not how you win a clear jug. No, we had a stat on live from that was fascinating. I think on 12 of the 18 holes today, he had birdie putts at 15 feet or closer, and he made three of them. And you're right. You're just not going to do that. And the level of frustration, I think, was there. He was on the putting green after his round. He did not talk to the media, as you pointed out, kind of watched him. Do you think he was searching or just unwinding? No, I think he, I think he just didn't want to break something. Watching him, no, he, he definitely wasn't unwinding. I just think he just didn't want to go anywhere where there was kind of some china to break because I really think that he was going to hurt someone. When, when he walked from the putting green to the locker room, there was nothing but anger and vitriol coming out of his eyes and his ears. And I, I think he realizes that this was such an opportunity lost. I re- truly believe what he said to us last night that, oh, nine strokes back is fine. I love the position I'm in. I feel like I can make up ground. And he was right. If he would have done today what John Rahm did today, he would be right there. He'd be closer than John Rahm is right now to the lead. And he didn't get it done. And he hit the ball well enough. Again, 12 birdie putts from 15 feet or in, and you convert three of them. That's just bad putting. And I know I know what Brad Faxon's going to say. I respect him. I know what Rory's going to say. I respect him. I'm hitting good putts. They're not going in. At some point, you have to look yourself in the mirror, though. Uh, I'm sure we will be wrapping up Rory on Sunday night after this Open Championship concludes. A lot more to say about his major season, where he is, his confidence levels, and why he has failed now. He's going to be going a decade, a decade uh, since his last major championship, which would have seemed unthinkable, of course, in 2014. Speaking on the theme of putting Rex, Scotty Scheffler, in an unfamiliar position, his streak of top 12 finishes, uh, very likely to be ending here. It was 18 in a row heading into the Open Championship. He is now T63 
after 54 holes and a player who uh, thought this week that his poor putting was a media fabrication uh, that we're just kind of making these storylines up because he's boring and bland and doesn't have anything else. The announcers don't have anything else to say. Well, he has lost six strokes to the field on the greens. Minus six. That was just as bad as it was at Memorial and those other tournaments this summer that he has not had uh, his best stuff, obviously, on the greens. I, I mean, at some point, Rex, at some point, don't you just have to try something new? Uh, uh, hire a putting coach. Change your grip. Try a different model putter. Use Brian Harmon's putter, for God's sake. Something is clearly not working, and it's it's frustrating as an observer because he's squandering like the second best ball striking season that we've seen, like since Shotlink started recording data, like Tiger in 06 and Scotty Scheffler in 2023. Those are the gold standard, and he's he's squandering it with just just only two victories. I think he's done a good job of not overreacting, honestly. And to your point, I think he's right. He does need to try something new. I, I guess he could have panicked halfway through the season. What we always gloss over when we have these conversations is he's still number one, world number one. He's still leading the FedEx Cup. He's still doing all of these things. He's still a, a dominant player. But we just expect more because of that dominant ball striking, as you pointed out. I, I will say that, to your point, you're right. Him watching, I guess Brian Harmon's a good example. I was going to go to Ricky Fowler, where Ricky Fowler just found a, a, a type of putter. It's a long offset putter with a big fat grip and a mallet head. And it was just something that he figured out a way to make it work. At some point, Scotty's going to have to do that. He's clearly not ready for that yet. No, he sits at two uh, T63. Same with Brooks Kepka. Actually, pair with Brooks Kepka. How about that one? Hmm. Uh, the. PJ champion and last year's master champion, this year's players champion teeing off together at eight 45 AM local time. That is very unscotty Scheffler like from what we've seen over the cross of 2023. All right, Rex prediction time, 18 minutes into this mini pod. Who's your winner by how much and who's in second. I think Brian Harmon closes it out and it might be my, this might be my heart more so than my head because he hasn't proven it. And that's what I always do, right? I always do the cliched radio thing where I throw it out there. Well, then win the championship, then stop talking about it. But I just feel like today was the crucial day. And as we, we said, he, he could have gone either way, especially early in his round. He could have crumbled. He could have ball, you know, gone into the fetal position and just let the whole world pass him by. He didn't do that. He ended up coming out the same as he was when he went in with a five stroke lead Big putt on the last hole. I think he gets done. Two strokes. My guess is it's going to be Cam Young right behind him. I'm with you. I do think Brian Harmon will win this Open Championship. I know that's not that much of a leap. The thing that makes me a little bit nervous when you look at history, I, I, I mean, just look at the PJ Tour history. We've already had six-shot leads that have been lost this calendar year. It's not unfathomable to think that Brian Harmon could shoot even par or one over, and he gets passed by a four, five, six under par round by one of those who are chasing him. That's just the, the nature of the beast. And when you look at historically those uh, previous 11 times over the last 40 years in which a player has had at least a, a, a five-shot lead in a major championship, I, I mean, we're talking about some of the best players of their generation, whether it's Brooks Kepka, Roy McRoy, Tiger Woods, Tom Lehman, Nick Faldo, I mean, even Martin Keimer had won a Players' Championship 
earlier that year and had been battle tested. Like Brian Harmon doesn't belong in that category historically. And so it, it, it would not surprise me if things get really tense on Sunday, whether he I hope so. loses his lead and battles it back, whether it gets down to a, a single shot or two. Uh, I do not think it will be a Sunday snooze fest where he, you know, kind of uh, expands the lead to five, six, seven shots. And this is just an absolute runaway. I do think there will be some tense moments on the back nine, uh, but I do think Brian Harmon will win and John Rahm, uh, not Cameron Young, will be the one who applies the most pressure. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lab. Make sure you check out all of our stuff on GolfChannel.com. News, notes, features, blogs, commentary, whatever else. Even Rex's appearance on Live from the Open Championship, his final hit uh, with T. Lou tonight. Hopefully not forever. <laughs> Hopefully just from this tournament week. We'll be back on me? Sunday night. Not for a mini pod for a full recap of the 151st Open Championship, putting a bow on the week, the winner, close calls, and the best players in the world putting a bow on their major seasons. All right, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday night, late Sunday night, after all the writing, of course.